0: Welcome to the Living Rock podcast. Good morning and welcome to our garden. Welcome. I'm Sharon. And I'm Phil. And we're really pleased to be together with you all this morning. We're part of the Living Rock Church congregation in Market Harborough. And we want to give a warm welcome to all our church family. And a special shout out to William and Eunice and our Living Rock Church family in Kenya. If you're watching this because a friend sent you a link or you stumbled across us on the internet we want to say that we're really glad to have you join us. And we hope that what you hear today will be a real blessing to you.
1: At Living Rock Church, we've been in a series called Gospel Encounters, in which we've been looking at some of the encounters Jesus had with people when he was on earth. As we've thought about some of the people he met, we've been able to consider how he spoke to each one, how he helped people in all kinds of situations and how he brought God's truth and clarity to many.
0: We celebrated Easter last weekend, and I found myself thinking about one particular gospel encounter that happened very early on the first Easter Sunday, probably one of my favorite encounters with Jesus written about in the Bible. I'm not quite sure why it's my favorite, perhaps because it involves a woman, perhaps because it happens in a garden, perhaps because in an instant, in a word, in a name, total transforming resurrection is revealed to someone just like me and from there to the whole world. It makes my heart leap every time I think about it. So we would like to share some thoughts with you this morning from that encounter. You may have guessed it already, but it's the story of Mary Magdalene meeting the risen Jesus early in the morning in a garden on Resurrection Day. As together we read and consider the Word of God, we believe Jesus will speak to us. He has things to show us today that are going to bring life and joy, like the spring bursting out after winter.
1: Before we move on any further, why don't we just pause for a minute and bow our heads together and pray. Yes. Father in heaven, we thank you that no matter where we are today, Mm. we know that you see us and that you're present with us. We want to thank you that whether we know you personally Whether um, being part of a church service is something that's completely new to us, Mm -hmm. that you see us and are able to speak to us today. Mm -hmm. And therefore we ask, Holy Spirit, you come now, come to us, come and reveal God's truth to us in these moments. Amen. Amen. We're going to read the scripture about the garden encounter in a few minutes. But first, who was Mary Magdalene? Apart from what we read about Mary at the end of the Gospels, when Jesus died on the cross and was buried, the Bible actually says very little about Mary. We just read about her at the start of Luke chapter 8. So, let's read together from verse 1. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chuza, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were con- contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples.
0: It's likely that Mary was from the small city of Magdala on the shores of Lake Galilee. Her name tells us that Mary Magdalene actually means Mary of Magdala. Jesus had been traveling around Galilee, preaching the kingdom of God and healing people. He had many people following him, his 12 disciples and others. And we read in Luke 6 of a great number of people who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And it says that those troubled by evil spirits were made well maybe Mary of Magdala was among them or maybe it had been a different occasion when she met with the transforming power of Jesus when he saw her had compassion on her and delivered her from the grasp of seven demons from her suffering and her shame there is no record exactly of what happened or what Mary's life had been like before Jesus healed her but there are other accounts in the bible of people who were described as being under the influence of demons We read of people being compulsively controlled in their actions and behaviour, at times causing themselves injury, having seizure-like episodes or suffering physical or mental torment or even tormenting others. It is likely that Mary's suffering had been significant, her shame obvious to others. She may well have been shunned by society and isolated from any involvement in Jewish worship. Mary's broken life had reached crisis point but then at some point she met Jesus we can only imagine how amazing and visible her transformation was Jesus met her in the crisis and completely freed her from the demons Luke describes Mary as one of the women who had contributed from their own resources to support Jesus Mary went from desperation to devotion from fear to following the one who had rescued her We don't read of Mary again until she is mentioned along with other women as watching from a distance as Jesus died on the cross. She had followed Jesus from Galilee and so Mary must have heard many of Jesus' teachings and parables, seen miracles, healings, others freed from demons, seen thousands miraculously fed and heard Jesus speak of who he was and his purpose on earth. She had followed cared for and supported Jesus but now on the day that Jesus died Mary was only able to watch from a distance as the one she had devoted herself to was so brutally attacked humiliated and nailed to a cross. The one who rescued her was now apparently beyond rescue himself. Mary watched as Jesus stopped breathing as his limp, powerless and damaged body was taken down from the cross She watched as two of the men carefully wrapped Jesus' body in fine linen and fragrant spices as a last mark of respect and placed his body in a new tomb in a garden. She watched as they rolled a large stone across to close the tomb. The final seal in place. The end. To Mary, it must have felt that her life was back in crisis. How could it be that the one who healed multitudes, who had power over demons, over nature, even who had made dead people come alive again, was now dead himself? It was a Friday, but Sunday was coming.
1: Let's turn in the Bible to read what happened next from John chapter 20. I'm starting at verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? the angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to my Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message.
0: Mary arrives at the tomb and finds no stone across the entrance, no body to anoint and no explanation from the disciples. Even the sight and sound of angels didn't seem to help. She was left staring at an empty tomb. In her grief and her tears, Mary still didn't realise it was actually Jesus standing beside her in the garden. But then he called her name, Mary. Everything changed when she was named and called out by the resurrected Jesus. In that moment, the risen Jesus was revealed to her. Now she knew. Now she understood. Jesus was alive and breathing, resurrected. He had overcome death and now he was calling her by name and commissioning her to go and tell the others that Jesus was alive. This was total transformation.
1: Jesus often spoke of his rising on the third day. On three occasions in chapters 8, 9 and 10 of Mark's Gospel, Jesus is recorded as making very specific statements concerning what was to come. Referring to himself as the Son of Man, he said that he would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. These sayings were well known among Jesus' enemies, which is why they specifically requested that the tomb that Jesus' body had been taken was sealed and placed under guard. In Matthew's gospel it records this, the next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days I'll rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. And this will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. So, with Jesus' words ringing in the ears of his enemies, why were his followers, who must also have been familiar with the things Jesus had said, so slow on that resurrection morning to realise what had happened? Jesus' followers, just like us today, were natural people. As natural people, we all understand from our experience a bit about biology. We have an expectation of how our bodies work, how they mend when injured, what they are capable of, what they're not so capable of anymore. We understand a bit about physics and physical matter, and all of our life experience is built into our concept of time, the minutes, the days, the years of our lives. So when something happens outside of these natural parameters, when something supernatural appears to have occurred, we are understandably suspicious. We don't find it easy to comprehend something that appears to have broken all the natural rules. To see what God has done and is doing supernaturally requires his revelation. We won't work it out on our own. We might be able to recall a time when God revealed something to us and we understood in a way we had not seen things before. I remember being nearly 12 years old and hearing someone talk about knowing Jesus as saviour. And in that moment, the lights came on for me. It was revelation. I understood in a way that had been almost hidden from me before. There was something I now knew. I didn't fully understand all the detail but I knew. I know that many many others have had similar stories. You may have heard the story of Lee Strobel. He was an investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune newspaper and when his wife became a Christian he was determined to disprove Christianity using all of his skills. This is what he recalls. The starting point seemed obvious to me. Clearly, the resurrection was the linchpin of the Christian faith. After all, anyone could claim to be the son of God. But if someone could substantiate that assertion by returning to life after being certifiably dead and buried, well, that would be a compelling confirmation that he was telling the truth. His book, The Case for Christ, is still available and has become a bestseller. And it's an accessible and engaging read. I can recommend it. Lee Strobel explains how he carefully examined all of the evidence found in the Bible and other historical sources, which ultimately convinced him that the resurrection of Jesus was real and the claims of Jesus demanded a response from him. Scripture itself declares the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be at the very centre of the Christian faith. Without it, the Christian faith is meaningless. Paul, one of the earliest apostles, writes this. If Christ had not been raised then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a game changer. Jesus words about those believing in him having eternal life that we find in John chapter 3 verse 16 that ring pretty hollow if Jesus himself was defeated by death. The fact that Jesus demonstrated that he has power and authority over everything including death, means that we can respond confidently to him, knowing that if we declare Jesus to be king of our lives, we ourselves have this eternal life starting from right now. We are no longer people in crisis, but people who have found the cure. So what happens in this moment when the light comes on, when revelation is received? Scripture tells us that this is a work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's God himself making his supernatural truth alive in our hearts and minds. Jesus, talking about the Holy Spirit, said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. If today we are struggling to accept the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ Mm. and all that was accomplished by his death and rising to life again, then we can ask God to guide us into truth, to bring us a personal revelation. It's a prayer that he always loves to answer.
0: Personal revelation is exactly what happened for Mary in that moment in the garden. Jesus called her name. Mary! You know, Jesus is still calling out to people by name. He knows us, knows our name, each one of us. He is walking by his Spirit through the garden of his creation and calling, drawing people to himself, to know him, and the power of his resurrection life in them. Why does Jesus want to call us by name? I believe it's because God loves us each one. He doesn't define us by where we are from, our background, our family, our mistakes, or our crisis. He defines us as people he has set his love upon. God wants us to know him and to enjoy a close relationship with him, to be completely confident and secure in him during our lives on earth. And then to enjoy him forever when he makes all things new.
1: Our world at the moment is broken and mm. few people will disagree on this. We just need to look around and see. Yeah. It's a world where people have rejected God and effectively said to him, we don't need you, we're going to do things our way. Mm. God's response was not to meet mankind's rejection with anger or punishment, but rather with love, mm. demonstrated by the fact that God's own son Jesus came to this earth yes. in order to point the way back to God. Mm. He died a gruesome death so that all the punishment due to mankind was taken away by him instead. Mm. On the cross, Jesus overcame the crisis of sin, of sickness, of evil and our separation from God. And (laughs) then to prove that he really was the son of God, that death was not the end of him. He rose from death in order that all who believe in him can know real life, eternal life, just the way God intended it to be.
0: Some of us listening may not have known Jesus in this way before, but as we're listening, we feel drawn to him. Maybe you are starting to realise for yourself that Jesus is alive, that he knows you individually. Listen to these verses in the Bible where God is calling out to those he loves. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope.
1: So how do we respond to such love? Mm. When Jesus called out to Mary, she turned away from where she was looking, from the crisis, from the death, the disappointment, the fear, the anxiety, the unbelief. And she turned towards Jesus Mm. to face him, to receive his call. She responded, teacher or master, and started to cling to him. Others who met Jesus after his resurrection fell at his feet to worship him and responded to him by saying, my Lord and my God. Mm. In a simple way, this morning, we can respond to Jesus like Mary. We need to turn away from the past, from doing our own way of doing things, from from sin, from wrong thoughts, wrong Mm. actions. The Bible calls this repentance. We need to turn towards Jesus as our Lord and yes. Master, receiving his love and his peace. And in that place of love and peace, commit to follow him, to live his way.
0: Yeah.
1: We can speak to him right now. We can thank him for his love, for his death on the cross mm-hmm. in our place and tell him we're turning away, turning towards him, yes. to follow him as Lord. Yeah. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this Mm. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved
0: Yes You know, maybe like Mary we've been following Jesus for some time There was a moment in the past when we turned away from our old ways and turned towards him I believe as we hear him speak through his word today there is fresh revelation for us too As we hear him calling to know again the loving tone of his voice, his faithful tenderness towards us. You know, because of Jesus, his death on the cross and his resurrection, we now live new lives, knowing that he delights in us and entrusts us with his good plan and purpose. And not just for our lives, but for the whole world. Delivered from crisis, knowing the cure and responding to his call.
1: So, Thank you for joining us for our encounter in the garden this morning. If you have known God calling you to him, even as you've been listening today, we would love you to tell us about it. You can do this by adding a comment to the chat if you're watching live, or by dropping us an email to livingrock.church. We'd like to finish by reading a few verses Mm. from the book of Ephesians. If we have encountered Jesus like Mary did, we can make these words our confident heart declaration at the start of this new week. So, thanks for being with us. We'll see you soon.
0: Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.